0: We are in this series on talking about God's covenant, the hallmarks of God's covenant. And last week we talked about intimacy. Today we're going to talk about community. Uh, We're going to be looking at the uh, Genesis chapter 17. We're still in the story and life of Abraham and looking at how God is working in his life and today particularly on how he's developing community. Uh, community happens to be uh, kind of the second word of our core values in our congregation. We talk about intimacy, and we talk about community, and next week we're going to talk about multiplication. Uh, things that we believe kind of shape us because they're so dominant in Scripture and that they ought to be dominant with us. But if I can just give you a real simple definition for community, uh, community is loving each other as much as we love God. Uh, sometimes we, we love God a lot, and we're, we tolerate each other, right? Uh, sometimes we kind of struggle with some of those relational kinds of things. But, but truly, God calls us to love each other as much as we love Him. We live in this relational kind of world. We were not created and made to live just with God and we're going to go have our mountaintop experience and just me and God and the treetops or something like that. that. That's all fine and good. I love to go to the mountains. I love to you know get all inspired, do all that kind of stuff. But that's not where we live Uh, we live in community with other people all of us doing life with each other and with God as he teaches us and works through us and around us and in us and and somehow we are indeed better together our faith is stronger our faith is encouraged our lives are better and together we honor God by the very fact that we are together what what did Jesus say about how we would identify his disciples what did he say They will know that you are my disciples because of your love for one another. That's that relational community thing that we are living in this relationship with each other. And so today we're going to be talking about community and how that functions here in this place and how it functions in our lives. Uh, But we're looking at particularly Abraham. And in the 17th chapter of Abraham, it's an interesting chapter because, because God has been interacting with Abraham for a number of years. And, but it's been a pretty individualistic kind of relationship. So it is it is Abraham and God having this conversation. It's God saying, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you lots of things. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to watch over you. I'm going to do great things in your life. But suddenly, in chapter 17, he begins to talk about something a little more. It's not just God and Abraham. It suddenly becomes, or Abram, he's going to get his name changed in 17. But it's not just God and Abram. It, it is God, Abram, and this community that are going to be a part of this covenantal relationship that God has for them. So uh, if you'll bear with me, I'm going to just read chapter 17 of Genesis, and uh, and I'll read it fairly fast, so we'll just go through it. Genesis chapter 17, it says, when Abram was 99 years old, uh, the Lord appeared to him and said, 'I I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. That's the story that has been the covenant up to now. He keeps saying that. And Abram fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you. Kings will come of you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you, and your descendants after you, for generations to come, this is the kind of the first inklings of this thing. It's not just you and me, uh, you, you know, Abraham and God. It's something more. There's other people involved in this process, and uh, for generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you, and the whole land of Canaan where you are now an alien, I will give as an everlasting, lasting. Pres- that, those country western songs have really messed us up. in everlasting an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. And God said to Abram, As for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you, for the generations come. And this is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised, which I think is funny. And you are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you, for the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised. Now just in passing, let me just say that uh, many cultures circumcised, uh, so this wasn't just a brand new thing, circumcision didn't come about right here and now in this place. Uh, what was kind of interesting about this was that circumcision on the eighth day was kind of what made this a little bit unique to to this covenantal kind of relationship, so On the eighth day, they're all going to be circumcised, including those born in your household or bought with money from a foreigner, those who are not of your household. Whether born in your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. God also said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, she is no longer to be called Sarai, Uh, Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of people will come from her. Abraham fell down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a 100 years old? I was just thinking about Mary. you know Mary from first service? Mary is going to celebrate 99 years. In November, she told me this morning, she's sitting here, still lives by herself, takes care of herself, Mary is never going to have any children, any more children. I was thinking about that as I read this. I thought, that's, okay, never mind. I'm drifting. I'm drifting. But, you know, I'm thinking, that, he would laugh. I mean, it'd be natural to laugh. You'd laugh at that stuff. Okay, well, never mind. Well, will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? Abraham said to himself, if only Ishmael might be under, live under your blessing. Then God said, Yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him as, as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of 12 rulers, and I will make him into a great nation. My covenant I will establish, but, but my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. And when he had finished speaking with Abraham, God went up from him. And on that very day, Abraham took his son Ishmael and all those born in his household, or bought with his money, every male in his household, and circumcised them as God told him. You want to be a part of the party? Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised, and his son Ishmael was 13. Abraham and his son Ishmael were both circumcised on that day, and every male in Abraham's household, including those born in his household or bought from a foreigner, was circumcised with him. And I, I want to just talk with you really quickly about this idea of covenant, because we're moving from this individualistic kind of relationship with God into, now we're, now we're in a covenant. Something is happening and there's, and something's different here. So I want to talk to you about several things. First thing is the sign of the covenant. And the sign of the covenant is you know you know every every group every community has uh, a sign of their kind of covenant that we're together we're in this thing together. If you went to uh, if you went to a, a biker bar, uh, you'd find these guys there and they're all wearing their jackets and they've got their logos and all that kind of stuff and they'd say you know we're part of this covenant kind of thing. Um, uh, never mind. <laughs> People get tattoos that match, right? We're part of this covenant community, and uh, we've got this relationship with each other over this kind of thing. So, you know, funny things happen, but we have these, we have these covenant... Rela- I didn't name any names. We have these covenant relationships with each other that identify us as part of this group. And, and so that's kind of what he's doing here. In the context of Abraham, that covenant sign was circumcision. That was the thing that said, this makes you part of, the, part of the community. And so those kind of things. In the New Testament, the sign of our community is our baptism. You understand that? It's, it's our baptisms, our faith, our baptism, communion, all those other things that we proclaim, the, all that kind of stuff. But Scripture tells us it is our baptism that relates directly over to circumcision. If you have a minute and you have your Bibles around or your phones, uh, flip over to uh, the book of Colossians. In Colossians chapter two, there is a very interesting little passage of scripture uh, that makes reference to uh, to that kind of uh, relationship. Colossians chapter two, uh, beginning at verse eleven and reading through verse twelve, I'll get my glasses back on here so I can read it. This um, so is what says "In him, you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature, not with the circumcision done by the hands. So you I understand. Uh, he, Paul is writing to people who are predominantly Gentiles, may or may not have been circumcised, probably not. And so he's talking to them about this circumcision is this really big deal in this Jewish community faith, and Christianity came out of that. So circumcision is a big deal. But he's saying to them, uh, you've been circumcised, uh, but, but it's different. It's a different kind of circumcision, putting off the sinful nature, not with circumcision done with the hands of men, but with a circumcision done by Christ having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. It, it is that equivalent of, of this circumcision of the Old Testament. Our baptism of the New Testament is that kind of symbol that says we're in this community. We're a part of this, this gathering of, of folk here. So, so we talk about the sign of community. The second thing we talk about here in this passage is the inclusiveness of community. Uh, you know, this covenant with, with Abraham was an inclusive covenant. It wasn't just Abraham and his immediate family. It wasn't just Abraham and Sarah and ishmael or isaac to come it wasn't just that it, it it included and reached out into extended family members so other family that would have been in the area other family that would have been associated with them they would have been included in this thing and they did all this but but it went beyond that kind of thing it went out to those who were the servants in your community so even those guys got circumcised even they were included, included in this relationship and not only that it went out beyond that it went into this situation where he said anybody that you and we could have another conversation about slavery even all that kind of stuff but but those that you purchased from a foreigner i mean these people are really outside of the family even those people are included in the covenant right you, you understand this is, this is what what you get here is you've got the very highest level of of what would have been in there's umbrella of relationship They've got the very highest level down to those that would be the very bottom level of this. God is saying, you are all in. You are all in. And this is the sign of your, your community, of the covenant I'm making with you is your circumcision. And, and that's an amazing kind of concept, but it is not an unusual concept when you think about who God is and how he functions. Because when you follow the story of God, you see the same kind of pattern. God is always saying, you know, everyone is going to be blessed by you. This is going to go out to all places. You get to Jesus. Jesus comes and he says, You know, come, all who would come, all who would believe, come. You can be a part of this. You get into the New Testament, the writings of the apostles. And what you find there is you hear them over and over again saying funny things like, You know what? In Christ, there is no longer Jew or Gentile. In Christ, there is no longer slave or free. In Christ, there is no longer male and female. You know, he's hitting all of the distinctions of society. There's no longer the rich and the poor. There's no longer male and female. There's no longer the young and the old. There's none of that stuff matters anymore because we are one in Christ. We are all included in the community of faith. Isn't that good? Amen? I got one amen out of that. Is that it? I mean, this is big news. This this is a big deal. So it doesn't matter what what your face looks like. It doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter how much money you've had. It doesn't matter how much education you've had. It doesn't matter what background you've had, where you've been, what you've done. All of that stuff doesn't matter because in Christ, we are made one, right? It is a diversity that is just amazing in this concept of Christianity, in this covenantal relationship and we are part of that. When we say, yes, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in this covenant relationship. I have chosen by faith Jesus Christ. I have been baptized. I'm a part of all this stuff. It, it, it is that kind of relationship that it says it doesn't matter anymore. So I got to just tell you, I'm, I'm going off on a sidetrack here. But I got to tell you, it says a lot about what we think about race. It says a lot about what we think about economics. It says a lot about what we think about all of those kinds of relationships that oftentimes in our society divide us, divide us. And in Christ, he says, those things cannot divide you because you have been made one in him, right? We don't always act like it. God help us. But that's the reality. This covenantal community thing is inclusive of all people, of all shapes, Colors, whatever, okay? All who would receive, all are, all are invited in. Now, you don't have to come in. That, that's the deal. I mean, God's not going to make you come into the community. These people back in, in Genesis, they could have chosen, say, and I'd have been one of those, I think. <laughs> he walks up with the knife, and I'd be going, hey, there ain't no way we're doing this. I mean, give me a break. That ain't happening. You know, and, and, and in, in the New Testament, it's still a choice. You have to choose. I choose Christ. But everyone is invited. And everyone is a part of this community. Over and over again, we hear the same thing. We are one. It is an inclusive community that we live in. This, the third thing is this, is the pattern of community. Now, the pattern of community is kind of interesting. And, and, and we see it. We see it in the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament. We see it throughout that there are, there are moments and places where, where we are gathering in larger circles. And we see that here as we read through the history of Israel and and the community of Israel, we see them gathering for high and holy days. And we see them gathering in the temples. And we see them doing those kinds of things. We see them in smaller circles as they gathered in their communities for teaching and worship. And we see that as they broke bread every Sabbath together with family and friends that gathered into the house to do those things. So we understand this concept to say being a part of this community means that there are moments when we are together with everybody here in the community. And there are moments when we're in smaller circles. And then there's moments when we're in really small circles. And we're walking with him in those kinds of relationships. And we see that, if you let me jump out of Genesis again and look over to the book of Acts, we have the story of the beginning of the church. You know, uh, Jesus said, you know, don't go anywhere. Stay right here. Wait until the Holy Spirit comes. Uh, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to be my witnesses. And so the Holy Spirit comes and amazing kind of things kind of happen and and, and they go outside of their prayer circle where they were at and they began to proclaim the news of Jesus Christ and amazing kinds of things happen. Thousands of people come to faith. What are you going to do, church, with thousands of people? Y'all come over to my house tonight, right? I've got fourteen fifth and 6th graders coming to my house for lunch and a pool party after church today. I can't handle them any more than that. You know, I, I don't know what you do with more than that. You, and I, but I do know what you do with more than that. You, you have small circles. And, and that's what we have here in, in Acts chapter 2. They, they've had all these amazing things. Uh, people have come to faith. Uh, they, they're, they're gathering together. They're finding ways to grow and live and work with each other. And we read these words in Acts chapter 2, beginning of verse 46. It says, every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And and so we have this concept. We have this understanding of uh, they're gathering together, thousands of people gathering together to worship the Lord in the temple courts, doing those kinds of things. But you can't all go to each other's houses. But in their homes they experienced some wonderful kinds of things. They were encouraged in their faith. They they had prayer. They had a fellowship with one another. You can't gather, gather together without eating, right? That's a standard kind of thing. I didn't see it on your list of uh, what do you do with a life group, but you got to eat. You know, now you don't have to eat, but it, it's just one of those things. We eat together. We fellowship together. We pray together. We encourage one another together. We study God's word together. We do. That's what's happening clear back in the book of Acts. We continue that process. So we have those moments when we're all together like this in big moments of worship and then we're together in smaller circles because there's something that happens in smaller circles that doesn't happen in a context like this. When you can't ask the questions or you don't can't take the time to have the conversations that you need to have with one another that encourages each other. That's what we're talking about. It's community. It's, it's, commu- it's, it's community, like capital C community, like we're part of the faith. All around the world, whether you're here or in Ethiopia or wherever you're at, part of the faith. And it's community here. It's just our circle of Ch- Mission Church of the Nazarene. But it's also community in much smaller circles where we do life together. That, that's what we're hoping for. And, and I want to talk to you a little bit more about that. I'm all done with my stuff. But I want to invite up some folk who are living in community with each other and uh, who have experienced some of this and who I think will be helpful uh, to us to be able to hear their stories, and so if they'll come, I'm gonna just let them get up there, and then I'm gonna kind of sit down and just ask them questions from down here, and and let them let them share a few thoughts. So uh, why don't we why don't we just start out, Steve? Uh, well, I guess I've already introduced you. Steve,
1: tell us who you are, what you do.
2: Hi, I'm Steve Horrocks I work with um, More Ministries. Uh, I'm a full time missionary.
1: My name is Liz Horks. I'm Steve's wife. Um, I am a manager in IT.
3: My name is Jeff Jimenez, and I work for a web security company.
4: I'm Katie O'Gorman, and I'm a music instructor and an intern at the street.
5: My name is Kristen Warner. I teach fourth grade at Maranatha Christian School.
6: I'm Dan Warner. I'm Kristen's husband, and I'm an electrical engineer.
0: And that's Beverly. <laughs> Good. Well I want to ask you guys just a few questions but let me just start with Dan and you guys um, you you came to the church you've been here about a year or so and tell us about that transition and and how you uh, what you found here and how you then got connected into a life
6: group yeah before we came to the church I was really struggling with my relationship with God um, I was really struggling with the problem of evil and suffering given the fact that God is all loving and all powerful and that struggle somewhat continues, but it's really been uh, ameliorated lately, and it really helped to go to a small group and be transparent about my faith and the struggles that I was having, and other people would come up to me and really encourage me to think outside the box and to see things that I might not think for myself. And I uh, had a real nice meeting with someone in, in a Starbucks uh, shop, and he just said that when. You feel the love and embrace of God, uh, these other issues will not be nearly as severe, and I found that to be the case. So, even though I was struggling with my faith, um, being in a small group and being transparent really um, encouraged me and helped me through that process. Go
5: um, I've gone to church my entire life, so being part of a small group is just kind of what you do. You go to church, and that's it's you're not experiencing church to the fullest unless you've done that. So, when we first came here. Uh, Dan checked out Big Church as we call it first and then um, and then the first time that I came we went right to a small group and it was it was just one of those God things where we both left and we said to ourselves where have these people been our whole life it was just like it was so awesome it's when you know that um, it's where God wants you and um, you can get so much more out of a small group than you can um, relational wise as, as opposed to here so um that's been
0: wonderful um katie you guys have been meeting in your life group for um quite a while i think a year or so something like that tell us a little bit about what you guys do in your life group.
4: well um (laughs) pretty standard we come in socialize then we pray (laughs) we talk about scripture and um usually somebody presents a scripture and then we break up into small groups and talk about it or talk about it as a large group and then present prayer requests. And then, um, yeah, we also try and support, support, uh, members of the life group in other activities that they're involved in. Good. Good.
0: And, and Jeff, um, tell us a little bit about, um, how you find time to do this because we're all, we're all busy people we've all got a lot on our agenda and our plates how do you how do you find time um, to to be able to be a part of a life group
3: yeah well um life group for me which is Wednesday nights um, when we meet it's uh definitely a highlight of my week um, definitely uh, being here on Sunday is it, I, I love it it's great stuff and I'm here basically <laughs> most of the day um, and I'm just involved in different ministries but Wednesday is when I really get to be with the, with people who I consider family who I consider my community where um I just feel comfortable where I feel safe uh where I can actually come and not <laughs> have anyone expecting something from me and just be who I am and know that those people are there for me if I need prayer I'm going to have I'm going to receive that if I need encouragement I'm going to receive that um and then just Um, it's it's been a place where I've grown so much in my relationship with Jesus because we we really get into the word and we really talk about like Jesus and Jesus is serious when he's saying this and um, so my relationship and my understanding of Jesus who Jesus is um, has really grown in this being in this community and also my relationship with other people so it's just it's definitely worth making that time even though you know it, it is it is kind of hard sometimes it's um, San Diego is so big, and you had to drive everywhere. And I kind of live east, east county, and and life group is um, Point Loma, but it's worth it because it, there's just so much that you get out of it that I get out of it um, with everyone. So it's definitely um, been a, a great experience for me. Very
0: cool, good. Dave and uh, Liz, you have been in the church quite a while, but uh, fairly recently you have begun a new life group. So. Tell me a little bit about what that was like. How'd that feel to do that? You know, was that an easy thing? Was it a challenging thing? What was that like to start that new group? And and how did you go about that?
2: Well, I think at first uh, we were concerned. I I mean, I know the first thing that came to my mind, what are we going to talk about? And when I uh, spoke to Beverly, um, she really just assured me that it's you're basically sharing your life. And uh, through fellowship, through food, through uh, sharing one's life and, and praying for each other's needs. So I really felt like. That's something that we could do
0: together. Good. And uh, how, did, how did your group get started?
1: So we, we got recruited a little <laughs> bit, which is fine. Um, Pastor Beverly said, you know, we have a need in the Allied Gardens right here in our neighborhood. And so um, we talked about that, prayed about that a little bit, and, and decided to go ahead. And what's great about it is because it's kind of geography-based, we have a wide range of people in our group. We have some seniors Uh, that have many life experiences. We have some folks our age that are brand new Christians and need to have those conversations that just talking about with the ability to ask questions in a deeper way from what the pastor's uh, teaching us on Sundays. And then we have people in the middle. So it's a great group. We're just getting started. We're just still forming. And so we're looking forward to having the experiences that these other uh, people have had as well.
0: Well, I you know, I think we clearly come from a lot of different ways that we get into groups and different experiences that we have, but I'd like to just ask you all kind of the same question is to say if you could just kind of capsulize what, what is the one big thing that being a part of a life group has meant for you? What what would that what would that be?
6: I think when we come to church we can often wear a mask and people don't know who we really are. And I was really guilty of that for a long time. And when you come to a small group, you have to take, or you're encouraged to take that mask off and to be transparent about your struggles, about who you are. Um, And people, surprisingly, through the Holy Spirit, will walk with you through that and encourage you, not in a judgmental way, at least in my case, but encourage you in the most uplifting way and make you see or help you see things that you didn't see for yourself. And that is really than the experience for me in our life group. And I'm, I'm really blessed to have that.
5: Um, we came from a very large church here in San Diego where if you weren't part of a small group, you would kind of disappear. And um, it was easy to slip in and slip out. But even at a smaller church like this, it, you can, if you allow yourself, just come on Sunday morning, sit there, and then go home and not even talk to anyone. Although Beverly will try to stop you before you leave because she's <laughs> like that. She'll we'll get you. Um but when you're part of a small group, people miss you. People notice when you're not there. And what you don't notice or what you don't know is that you encourage people, too, when you're there. You could be what's missing, even from their small group. Maybe they need someone just like you in the class. And I think of the friendships that Dan and I have got through our, our class, and it's amazing. Uh, we do so many fun activities, where it's whether it's going out to eat or going camping or just having a game night together and we just laugh. And um, it is such a blessing. I um, I can't imagine not having them in my life, honestly.
4: Um, I notice that Jesus is constantly calling me out of certain things and into new things. And um, in that transition process in trying to walk with him and uh, walk in step with the Spirit, I can't do that on my own. And... Um, he knows I'll try, (laughs) but when I don't make it and when I slip up, uh, that community is, um, so integral in, uh, in my walk with him and trying to, to step into his calling and, um, there's no way that I will fully live into that and lean into that calling, um, unless I kind of come out of hiding and, uh, present myself all my my failures and my successes um to this group so
3: well for me when i first uh, came here to san diego about a year and a half ago uh post college group was the people there were the first people to actually like reach out to me and say hey we have this group you should come it's great so i went there and they were um genuinely happy to see me there and it was just a a good time and um and I've just been going there ever since. So we've really become like awesome, great friends, and we like each other. So that's that's great too, because we <laughs> like we hang out even outside of group, which is great. But it's more than just friends. We do have that community where, like I said before, we can trust each other. Like we um, we come sometimes with struggles um, or with confusion in our faith and in our walk with Jesus, and that's a place where we can actually open up. And say, like, you know what? I'm really struggling with this. I don't understand this. I don't get why this is this way. Or, and um, we find that other people are also going through the same struggles. And they're they're there with us. And then there's some people who've already been through stuff like that. And they can say, like, yeah, this is how Jesus showed me um, what this is or how to do this or how to live this way. Um, so it's just it's just been that, like the community and, and being able to trust each other. I mean, we... We even practice confession. We practice encouragement. Um, we get, like, like Katie said, we get into small groups and we pray for each other. And um, we celebrate when someone has a victory in their life or even more with people when they're going through really hard times. Um, so just knowing that there are those people that I can actually, like, call or text or just show up and say, Hey, man, I really need you right now. I really need to talk. I really need to pray. Um, it's just it's just really good. It's uh, If it wasn't for college post-college group for me um, because I, I'm not like in the school campus or you know I didn't have a job when I first got here I really wouldn't have that any friends or that community which uh, God has allowed me to be part of so I'm just really grateful for for being part of it
1: and I think you'll you'll notice a common theme here is even though that we are facilitating groups we are still members of the group so I'm really looking forward to having an opportunity to ask questions and say, well, why do you think, you know, God did that? Or what, what happened? It's not necessary to have answers. It's really just a conversation. And I'm getting, I'm, I'm excited to get to know the members in our group and to being there for their life moments that we're all going to have.
2: And for me, I, I know Beverly mentioned this, the first service is that uh, I realize that it's going to be a time that uh, my wife and I, Liz, can, you know, we can spend time together serving. And in in fellowship, too, because there's a lot of times in our life that we're so busy going in totally different directions. Even at church, he's fire. Or I she's, sat here, he sat over there. Yeah, there's you know, a <laughs> children's program, whatever. But it's so nice that this is a thing that we can do together. Okay.
0: Good. Well, Beverly, uh, we're, we are clearly trying to encourage people to be a part of uh, a community group, a smaller life group. Um, tell us about how, what we're going to be doing this fall and how people can get plugged in.
7: Uh, let me tell you about the um, spiritual life emphasis. Um, it's called Jesus at Work. And um, the genesis of it is that as we sit around as pastors, you know, we, we live and breathe church. So I don't know if you know this, but we wake up in the morning with you on our brain. I mean, at 3 o'clock in the morning, we wake up and and the Lord brings you to our mind. We carry you, Mission Church, with us everywhere we go. Um, but you don't live and breathe church we're pretty sure you don't think about us until you're getting out of bed Sunday morning, right? And But often what we do is we ask you to check your work life at the door. We, we don't give you permission to talk about the stress that you're facing, um, maybe moral decisions, ethical dilemmas that you're facing, whether you are a full-time student or working in um, your retirement community Or you're a teacher, you're a doctor, whatever your work is, your stay-at-home mom, whatever your work is, there are dilemmas and there are stresses um, that are weighing on you. And so our hope is that you, through this six-week study, this six-week spiritual growth emphasis, will really embrace Jesus at work, right? Jesus at work in you, at your work. And that's that's our focus for six weeks to really allow um, the workers in our congregation, who are you, right, to talk about and allow God to shape your work life. So that's what we're doing starting September 28th. The best way to really get the most out of that spiritual growth emphasis, spiritual growth campaign, is to be in a life group that is studying that, that particular Jesus at Work curriculum. There's two ways you can do that. The first one, there's a little um, brochure in your worship folder. The first way you can do that is to grow your own group. Now that doesn't mean you go gather 10 or 12 people. A group is two people. So it can be your neighbor, it can be um, it can be a coworker, it can be a sister-in-law across town. I talked with a mom today whose daughter is away at college. She's going to buy the curriculum for their family, and they're going to Skype with their daughter once a week to be in Jesus at work. Is that? That's
1: right. beautiful, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So
7: it can be as creative, as large, as long distance as you want it to be or right next door. So we, the, the promise that I would make to you is that I have a team of five coaches that will walk with you if you want to grow your own group. We will equip you every step of the way. You just need to gather a few friends, just one, <laughs> or two or three or four, however many you want. You need to remember who's in charge, and that's the Lord, right? You're going to take a step of faith, and when you take that step of faith, the Lord is going to meet you there. Gather a few friends. Remember who's in charge. Open your heart. Be receptive to hear from Jesus in that six weeks. And then fourth, watch what Jesus does. Watch how God will work in you and in your group for those six weeks. We're asking him to come and pour his presence out upon us. So grow your own group. I'll be out at the table along with members of my team for the next couple of weeks. We have resources for you, and we will walk with you every step of the way. If you feel God nudging you, I can do that. That's what I want to do. You can also join one of our existing groups. So inside um, that brochure that you have, there are over 20 groups. We have listed them. We have given you descriptions. Um, If those look good to you, that's at a part of town, that's at the right um, time of the week for me, then you can just email lifegroups at missionnaz.org. That email address is in there as well. And and I will get you connected to um, that life group that you're interested in. All right? So grow your own group or join an existing group. I think the key is do something for those six weeks beginning September 28th to really allow Jesus to be at work in you.
0: Thank you, crew. Thank you. We, uh, we clearly think being a part of a smaller circle is very important in this place. Um, in fact, it's so important that I would just say to you, um, you're really missing it if you're not in a smaller circle. Uh, it, it is great to come here. Glad you do come here, but we really want to encourage. We'd like to see every single person connected in a smaller circle in some way, in some circle uh, during these six weeks' times. And we want to help you get there. So one of the ways you can do that is inside your bulletin. Another way, just to communicate with us, every single one of you, I hope, could fill this card out right now um, because um, you can just put your name there, phone number, email, best way to contact you, just three little boxes there. One says, I'd like to start a group, and we'll get a hold of you and help you get that started. One says, help, I need help to find a group. Click that one off, we'll help you find that group. Or the last one is, I'm already in a group. Thank you very much. And uh, we want you to be involved. So the ushers are going to come. We're going to receive our morning tithes and offerings. And and you can fill that out, drop it in the plate, or you can drop it off at the table in the patio, courtyard, whatever we call that thing out there. And uh, they'd love to receive that if you don't have time to get that filled out before the offering plate goes by. So ushers, if you'd come and let me pray. Father, I thank you and praise you for how good you are to us. Lord, we, uh, we come and we offer you worship, and part of our worship is offering, and Lord, the very first thing we offer you is ourselves, and so Lord, we give you our lives, our heartbeats, our passions, our work, our resources, our willingness to invest in kingdom business, in the lives of others and invest in our own spiritual growth. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would continue to talk to us about community and how we live in it, and that, Lord, you would take us all that we are and use it for your kingdom's sake, we pray in
5: Jesus' name.